Thank you, John and Christy. Heidi, appreciate that much. Grab your Bibles. If you don't have one, there's one there in front of you in the back of the pew, and we'll be in just a moment in Ephesians chapter number 4. And uh, as we said, just to follow up with what Brother Sean said, that offering will take in a couple Sundays. We're not necessarily doing anything from a vote or anything like that. We're just taking up an offering. I hope you get a burden for it and the live streaming, the capabilities of sharing the gospel and with our community. And it'll certainly be a help when maybe someone's sick too along the way, but so much we can do with it and so forth. And so I encourage you in just a couple weeks, it'll be two Sundays from now, we'll do that at the end of the morning service. I encourage you about that. Actually, church, I was out yesterday and for a wedding. They had a camera system, a couple cameras. They were looking to get another camera. Just the camera that itself was going to cost them about $9,500. And uh, yet they were talking about how positive it has been. They've reached people in their own community. In fact, they'd reached somebody in Pennsylvania that was watching the church service in uh, Michigan pretty regularly. In fact, the person wrote the church and asked for a hymn book. Uh, so they could follow along. How about that? But uh, anyway, we want to encourage them. Maybe we can win somebody like that, but then encourage them to a local church where they live. But nonetheless, it's a lot of capabilities of sharing the gospel, and so we'd like to see that used uh, for the glory of God. All right, up above me, you see our series, What is Church? And we've been studying this, looking at it, many different directions, and now we look at this statement. Notice it, the body united in our arsenal. You say, Pastor Henry, what in the world do we mean by that? How are we united? in our arsenal. Uh, what, what are we talking about? How is the church an arsenal? Well, if we think of the term arsenal or the word, it has several different meanings. And uh, they all kind of tie together. Here's the one I think we ought to focus in on that fits well with the sermon here this morning. It, an arsenal is an array of resources available for a certain purpose. Now, th- that's not too sp- specific. It's not too directed. But yet it's, it gives us a good definition. What's an arsenal? Well, it provides, it's a place where there's an array of resources available to accomplish or to achieve a certain purpose. So the church is an arsenal that spiritually, where you and I are provided and exposed to an array of resources to accomplish a certain purpose. We'll define these scripturally, what these things are, what our purpose is, and what the resources are. I like this description. If we think of it as the church as an arsenal, a place where there's an array of resources available to each of us to accomplish the purpose presented to us. We often think of arsenal. In fact, in my basement, at my house, I have an arsenal. It sits right across from my desk down in the basement there. I have a desk, a, a study room. It's just part of the basement, but uh, it's a desk and all my books and things there. I do a lot of sermon preparation studying down there. But across from my desk, I have an arsenal. Now, it's probably not the arsenal that some of you might have or that you think that this is. My arsenal is a wall of Nerf guns. I'm telling you, right there in the middle of the wall, first of all, I have a Dr. Pepper clock that Jerry Hubble made, by the way. It's gorgeous. Okay, and, but around that, I have a bunch of Nerf guns. And uh, the kids, as we have many of them, have many Nerf guns. And so I decided, you know what? We need to do something with these. So the studs are exposed. There's no drywall down the basement. It's unfinished in that sense. So I just put nails all over this thing, and we have about 15 to 16 Nerf guns sitting here. I'm telling you, I'm protected if Nerf guns can take anybody down. So we have this arsenal, and boy, the kids love it. When somebody in the church, a family comes over, or a missionary family's traveling, they come over to our house, and boy, they just go. We have Gatling guns. We have all different types of guns, like ones with batteries, ones without them, and the things you call. I mean, we have them all. When those kids want to play, boy, they are well-equipped, well-furnished. They have a good old royal battle Nerf gun style. Amen. 
Now, can I tell you, that is exactly what God wants to be the church. You say, what is that, Pastor? He wants it to be an arsenal where there's an array of resources so you and I can do the job. Where we are equipped, where we come in and say, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is where we're. Look at all of this that I can gain and glean then then turn around and accomplish the purpose. You say, Pastor, where do you see that in the Scriptures? I'm glad you asked. Here in Ephesians chapter 4, we've looked at the beginning of the passage already. Now let's turn our attention to verse number 11. Verse number 11, if you will. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Notice the statement he gives us. And he gave some. In other words, there's some in the church that he gave. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors, teachers. Uh, We'll stop there. We'll, We'll delve into the rest of it. So before already in our study of the church, we've seen that every member here, every member of God's family and the local church is gifted through the Holy Spirit with unique and special gifts to minister to one another, to build up the body. We've seen that already. So God has given individual gifts, but do you understand that God has given gifts to the church as a whole? In fact, this verse talks about gifted positions, if we might call it that. In the context of the family of God, the body of Christ, he's, he's given these gifted positions by which the church is blessed. The first two, we understand these. These are apostles and prophets. Their presence in our midst has ceased. It's, it's no longer, as by their very definition, a, a prophet who is a foreteller of the future. These, these have ceased, yet their influence and their impact upon the church has not. So that office, that position is no longer around, but their impact and influence is still here. In fact, they were an integral part in the origination and the expounding upon the Word of God. God used the apostles. God used the prophets to give us the Word of God. Now listen, think about that. They truly laid the foundation upon which the church's success and growth rests. We have to agree that both of these ministries, the ministry of the apostle, the ministry of, uh, of the prophet, are very much available and effective today. Wait a second, Pastor Henry. You just said we don't have apostles and prophets, the foretelling kind of prophets today. You're right. They're not in our midst. They're not presently here. But aren't you thankful their ministry still exists? You see, we're studying this morning something that the apostle Paul delivered to us. His ministry goes well beyond after he passed away. And though that position maybe has ceased, as God has ordained in his scripture, even of the prophet, think of it today. How much of the prophecies of scripture have a huge impact on our lives? From John the Revelator to all the other prophets that we read about and see foretelling things to come. I'll tell you, my friend, that is a great blessing, isn't it? I love knowing what the last chapter says. I love knowing the end. I love knowing the conclusion. And the ministry of the prophets and the apostles has given us that. I'll tell you, my friend, that ministry is a great gift, a great blessing from God for us, the church. I can't imagine not having God's Word. I can't imagine not having the ministry of the many apostles, not just Apostle Paul, but the others that wrote that God recorded their words for us and all of these different prophets. And yet from there, though we are reaping the benefits of their prophecies and their ministry, the mantle of influence within the church, that blessing has now been passed on to the next two positional gifts mentioned in verse 11. So the next one is what? Evangelist. 
Now, this is a description. We think of uh, evangelist uh, Morris Gleiser, evangelist uh, uh, Dwight Smith, the idea. Well, really, the term here means, as we could study it throughout scriptures, the proclaimer of the gospel. It isn't necessarily just a person who comes in and leads evangelistic meetings. No, it can be just a person who has a gift for soul winning. Now, we're all called to do that, but some have a gift in doing that, proclaiming the good news, the gospel. So there's a gift to the church of evangelists who are tasked with bringing men and women to an understanding of the gospel of Christ, of salvation, and then leads them to faith and trust in Christ, thereby making them part of the family of God. So the evangelist comes along and through the ministry of the apostle and the prophets shares the good news, the gospel with a person. They come to put their faith and trust in Christ. Now listen to me. Here is where the church acting as an arsenal really begins. The person is saved, they're brought into the church, they're baptized, discipleship begins, and now the church acts as that arsenal, uh, the array of resources provided to accomplish a given purpose. And that is where the next one comes in. Along comes in our list, the teacher-pastor. In the Greek, the construct here does not really have the and per se. Uh, it, it's really the same idea, the same person with a dual focus. Um, it, it's the idea of a dual function of a pastor, both to oversee, but also to teach by instruction of the Word of God. The responsibility of the pastor-teacher is uh, using the Word of God. Uh, tasked with using the Word of God for the cleansing, the feeding, and the growth of the lives of every believer, every Christian to be fed and growing. There is their job, excuse me, begins the process of building up each person's salvation by starting what is taught in verse 15. Look at the verse 15. Here, here's the ministry, okay? Here's what a pastor teacher does, and even the evangelist, notice it, Ephesians 4, verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even to Christ, to grow into Christ, the likeness of Christ. How? Through the speaking of the truth. What is truth? Jesus Christ said it in John 17, 17. Thy word is truth. So speaking the truth in love, here is a pastor teacher attempting and desiring to feed and grow the flock, the sheep, as God has tasked the pastor teacher with. So what would we say then? Okay, we have apostles, we have prophets, we have evangelists, we have uh, pastor teachers. Their ministry is still alive today, though the, the first couple positions have ceased. Their influence and impact is still present. What is the ultimate goal then? What is it that God says, okay, I'm going to bless the church with a, uh, the ministry of the apostles, the prophets, with current-day evangelists and pastors, teachers, what is God trying to accomplish in the church? What is it that he says, okay, now I'm going to designate these gifted positions to accomplish settlement? Well, you and I don't have to sit back and we don't have to reason among ourselves and say, well, what is that? What, what, what could it be that, that these are given to accomplish? No, the very next verse, the very beginning of it tells us. Notice it, verse 12, Ephesians, or Ephesians chapter 4. We read verse 11, the four positions, verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints. For the perfecting, we'll stop right there, for the perfecting of the saints. That's the designation. What does that word perfecting mean? Well, the Greek word is actually only used here in this verse, the one time in all of the New Testament. And when we think of perfecting, uh, I, I know what I think of. It means to make something perfect. 
Now listen, hey, have any of you men, you've been assigned the task of holding something up against the wall for your wife? And she's like giving orders, I mean requests. Move a little to the left. Oh, no, 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 to the right. No, back to your left. No, that was too much. Move this way. And here you are, guy. I've been there. (laughs) Okay, a little lower, a little higher. Oh, you know what? That doesn't look good on that wall. Let's try another one. (laughs) What are you trying to hear? As you're holding it or maybe you're moving a couch or whatever you're doing, what is it you're trying to hear? I'll tell you what I'm trying to hear. Stop right there. That's perfect. Woo-hoo. That's perfect. Just right there. You know what that is? That's perfecting. We're trying to find the perfect spot, the perfect position, the perfect placement, if we might call that. That is, in many ways, what this word means. It's the idea of, okay, we want to get it exactly where it needs to be, what it needs to be, and in the case of you and I, to equip us so that we are everything we ought to be. Now listen to me. Don't miss it this morning. This is a great truth about the local church, what we are trying to accomplish in my life and in your life and in the life of every person that comes to know Jesus Christ and joins fellowship. Paul is explaining to us that there is a process, there's something to happen. Another idea of this word is this. It is the idea of furnishing, you've heard me say this too, equipping, to equip. Think of it for a second. Let's think of another analogy, another illustration. If you were to look for a place to stay, to live, and you said, okay, I'm looking for a furnished apartment. What are you looking for? Well, you're looking for something that is fully equipped, that has couches and chairs and dining room tables and everything else, a fridge full of Dr. Pepper, and you want it to just be perfect, ready, move in, okay? You want everything to be going. Even often furnished apartments might have decorations on the wall. They might have things where it is equipped and furnished, literally what? What does the real estate say? Move in, ready. That it's ready to go. It's completely furnished for the task at hand. In other words, living in. So, God's plan is for the church to furnish and equip every believer. Let's put it this way. We say God's plan for the church is just the idea um, that uh, the perfecting of everyday Christians to make the gathering of the church an arsenal where each one of us are equipped and furnished. So the perfecting of everyday saints, equipping and furnishing each one of us um, to do the work, the task at hand, if we go back to that definition, to accomplish the purpose at hand. For us, we understand, and we'll define it a little bit better in the future, but uh, to furnish unto every good work, unto holiness, unto the task at hand. Paul mentioned some in this passage, but before we get there, I want us to fully understand the robust meaning of perfecting the saints. So perfecting, like that picture on the wall, perfecting, furnishing, and equipping, like a a, a furnished uh, apartment or house that we might be looking to, to move into. But there's another truth behind it. You see, this Greek word, though it is here that it only occurs in the entire Greek New Testament, it is derived from a word that occurs several times. In fact, one of those instances in one such place is in Matthew chapter 4 in verse 21. I'd like for you to turn with me there. I, I, I think it would be uh, appropriate for us to see it in the pages of the Scripture. So uh, keep your spot there in Ephesians. We'll be back. Matthew chapter 4, and then we're going to look at verse 21. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 
21. Let's look at this verse, and we'll see kind of the story behind it. Matthew chapter 4, verse 21. I want you to think about, as we read this verse, see if you can locate the word, the English word, that is the translation of the root word for the Greek word that's translated as perfecting back in Ephesians chapter 4. So see if you can notice the word. Verse 21, And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James and the son of Zebedee, the, the he being Jesus Christ, and John his brother in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Did you catch it? The root Greek word of the word perfecting, in this verse, you know what it's translated as? Mending. Mending. So let's get the picture here. Here on the shore of Galilee, what's taking place in this scene? Well, here's Jesus Christ. He's, he's strolling down the shore. There's boats in the, in the Sea of Galilee. It's a huge business. People are fishing all over the place. He passes near a, a boat where Simon and Andrew are. In fact, the Bible tells us just a few verses earlier, they are fishing. They're literally fishing for fish. Jesus Christ comes by. He calls them to come after him, to follow me, and I will make you fishers of Men, right? So we know that. Peter and Andrew, he calls them. Then he goes on a little further, and apparently he spots a boat, and there in that boat are at least three people. There's a, uh, two brothers again. As Andrew and Peter are brothers, there's James and John, and there they are with their father, Zebedee. They aren't necessarily fishing. They're doing something as vitally, as important as anything else. They're taking the nets. Certainly they would have fished in quantity. In other words, they tried to bring in large hauls of fish, likely to sell in the markets or whatever the case may be. And so here they are, they're doing the very important task of mending the nets, busily working. As a fisherman of many fish, of high quantity as we described it, that net would have been greatly, hugely, vitally important to the job at hand. And so the brothers were intensely preparing the nets. What we would say this is they're taking the net, they're getting it in tip-top shape. They don't want to make sure there's any holes, no problems with the net, everything's tight and secure, everything is ready to go, tip-top shape, so it can do the job it's needed to do. Because a hole, uh, uh, excuse me, a net that has holes, a a net that wasn't in shape, uh, could not serve the purpose well. So the brothers there toiled. Uh, the brothers worked under the, 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 the steady gaze and the, the mentorship of uh, their fisherman weathered or their weathered fisherman father, Zebedee. You can imagine he's sitting there watching over them and looking at them and, and seeing what's going on, making sure that they are mending the nets appropriately. What would we say? Well, look at this description. Here's how we come to what is transpiring here. The nets needed to be ready for the work they were called to do. Now, don't miss that. See, why are they mending nets? Well, they're mending it because they're going to put the nets to work. Oh, sure, James and John in the next verse, and one of the key words, uh, words of the book of John is immediately or straight with and straight, uh, straight away. Here, immediately, they left their father and the boat, and they went. But what were they preparing the nets for? The job at hand, the task, to do the task. They don't want to throw the nets in the, the water and the holes allow all the, the fish to go through. That wouldn't serve the purpose. That wouldn't do well. And so we're mending the nets. Same idea as we think about it. So it is every, for every one of us as we come into church. Listen, we're entering a spiritual arsenal. We are coming in to be perfected, equipped, and furnished. We are coming to, to be shaped up into what we need to be and what we need to, how we ought to be. Why? So we can do the task at hand. See, coming to church isn't the end all of, uh, of the end. 
It isn't, in the, it isn't the, the final step in the journey. Oh, no, my friend, you and I come to church so we can be equipped, furnished, perfected, so we can go out and do the work. We can serve the Lord. That's God's design. That's his plan down through the ages, uh, that we would be furnished, equipped, be mended for service. It, it's crucial that you and I are furnished for the task at hand. See, if we're out of shape, if we are not fit for service, what happens? Well, in the case of that net, the fish go through the net, and, and the work isn't done. The task is a failure. If you and I are not in shape spiritually, if you and I are not equipped, or if we are not furnished, if we are not built up and perfected, my friend, the task is not going to get done. The job will not be accomplished. So let me ask you this. Let's bring it down to a very practical statement. In our heart, in our mind this morning, here's the question. What's your attitude? Is that your attitude when you walked in this morning, Sunday school and worship service, when you come tonight, Wednesday night, am I coming to be equipped? Or am I just saying, I'm going to church, it's what I do. It's, it's part of that duties list, it's part of being a Christian, it's just what we do, you know? Uh, um, like, like a horse to water, we just do it. Or you say, no, 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 we're going to church because God has a plan and design for me to be equipped. For me to be furnished. For, for me to get what I need to, the perfecting, the mending, uh, to be accomplished in my life. Now listen, your attitude needs to be such. My attitude needs to be such. And when we walk into church, all right, God, let's see what we have for us today. Let's see the arsenal that you're going to load on us today so that we can do the work of the ministry. So, how is it that we are equipped? What is what we might say? What is the instrument of perfecting, of furnishing, and, and equipping? Um, we've already seen it from those four positions in verse 11. We understand quickly that this is true. And please, please don't miss it for its simplicity, for its familiarity. Can I tell you, how do you and I get equipped? My friend, God's word reigns supreme. It's got to be focused here. That's from the apostles to the prophets to the evangelists to the, uh, the pastor teachers. Every single equipping, every single part of the furnishing, every part of the, perf- uh, of the mending, it takes place through the use of God's Word. They all minister and furnish believers through the means of God's Word in their hands and in their mouths. For the pastor, the preaching and teaching of the Word of God is how I am to feed the flock, to stay rooted in this. In fact, the Bible wants me to feed myself first. Now listen to this. I'm to feed myself first as a pastor teacher. Then in turn, I'm to feed the flock. Now listen, then I'm to lead you in how to feed yourself. Teaching you how to eat at the buffet of God's Word. To gain nourishment and strength as we all do throughout the week and throughout the days. That's the goal. See, back in Acts chapter 20, let's turn there, Acts chapter 20, Paul is uh, stopping over on a trip. He is, in fact, stopping uh, in Ephesus here, in actually several places, but we're going to focus on the end of the chapter, in Ephesus, all right? And in this, he is stopping there, and it's the same elders, the, the pastors of the church that he meets in Acts 20 that he wrote this letter to that we're studying in Acts chapter 4. 
So when he's saying, hey, listen, I've, God has given apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastor teachers to the church, he, he says uh, that same thing to these guys that he talks to in Acts 20, 32. Now notice what he says. And now, brethren, he's talking to the pastors, the elders, the, the leaders of the church at Ephesus. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. That's just another description of God's word, notice it, which is able to build you up. It is the means of building you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. In other words, to help you do good works. To hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So what can we say? Well, what does the Word of God do? Paul says to them, hey, it builds you up as a Christian. What can we call that? That's perfecting. That's furnishing. That's equipping you and I for what we are called to do. Hey, we know this verse well. Will you look at it with me too? I know we've looked at several already, but you see this one, okay? 2 Timothy chapter, sorry, I already said that. God's word builds us up. It perfects us. Notice this, 2 Timothy 3.15. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is, what's the next word? Highlighted, profitable, right? Let's say it again. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, right? So all scripture is profitable. How does it give us profit? Well, we see these things for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, Paul is writing Timothy. Who is Timothy? Timothy is a pastor. He is a leader of a church. He is the one tasked with feeding the flock. He's saying, listen, Timothy, do not neglect the Scriptures. Make sure that is the central focus of all that you do. Can I tell you, my friend, as long as Pastor Henry is the pastor of Fostori Baptist Church, God's Word will be the central focus of this church. The preaching and teaching ministry. Why? Because it is profitable. My stories are not profitable. (laughs) They may be funny at times. Uh, uh, quips may be great, but God's Word is the most profitable thing we have. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. How is that profitability, how does it play out in our lives? Well, isn't it interesting, the same thing that Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, he says to Timothy, he says this, God's Word, like speaking the truth in love in Ephesians 4, God's Word is profitable for all these things. Why? Well, in verse 17, that the man of God may be what? Perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Isn't that neat? Isn't that great how Paul ties it all together? He said, listen, here's God's word. These gifts, these gifted positions are given to the church so they can equip us and furnish us to do what we ought to do as Christians. And what is their primary instrument? It's the word of God. It is the precious scriptures that have been given to us for our uh, blessing. Christ says many things. One other thing that Christ says is this. John chapter 15, verse 3. Now ye are clean. How? Through the word which I have spoken unto you. So the word of God cleanses us. It equips us. It's profitable. So many things. Uh, It's why. It's a powerful truth that must play out every time that you and I assemble together. Now listen to me. I mean this seriously. As believers, if we make our gathering together nothing more than pep talks with feel-good stories, humorous anecdotes, inspirational speeches from people's lives, and self-help talks, or simply telling us what we want to hear, we are failing at what God designed the church to do. That's a failure. 
If a church gets caught up and saying, okay, we're just going to have a talk and we're just going to give you inspirational things. We're just going to tell you stories. We're going to make you laugh. We're going to entertain you. But there's very little bit of God's word doing. You know what it means? It means that the church is not fulfilling its duty. The pastor is not. And worst case scenario is the reality that believers are not equipped for the work. They're not furnished. And so we want to make sure that we follow God's design. You see, the church is an arsenal where people and believers are equipped. It's not done through the personality of a pastor. It's not done through the activities offered, the programs for entertainment. It's not done through pulling together our earthly wisdom and thinking, but rather we are equipped through the most powerful instrument known to man, and that is God's Word. It is powerful and it is effective. And so that is why Fostoria Baptist Church stands unashamedly on God's Word. We focus our surfaces on the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. For the pastor teacher, what's the main means of equipping of equipping with the Word of God? Well, certainly it's the preaching and teaching ministry of the local church. It is preaching and teaching, get it, the whole counsel of God, truth in balance, as it is presented throughout the landscape of the Bible. What do we mean by that statement? This. Can I tell you, there are some churches that the pastor only preaches through a few select passages, and that's it. They're his go-to passages. They're the ones that he likes, and boy, they know the passage well, but we kind of ignore the rest of the Bible. My friend, the entire Bible is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction, for correction, all of those things. That's why we study Isaiah and James and Romans. We study from Genesis to Revelation, because what is that? Truth in balance. Genesis helps me understand Revelation. Revelation helps me understand Malachi. Malachi helps me understand Matthew. And you don't want me to go through all 66, amen? But every book of the Bible is truth in balance. So what do we do? We preach the whole counsel of God. We don't neglect parts of the Bible. We teach it all. Furthermore, we have to come face to face with this truth. And I like how someone has stated it. He said that the business of preaching is this, (laughs) to comfort the afflicted, and afflict the comfortable. Isn't that good? The ministry, the business of preaching is to what? Comfort the afflicted, but also to afflict the comfortable. You know, sometimes the word of God, as it is taught and preached, as we share it one with another, and let me step away a second. You know, the preaching and teaching ministry, the, the using the tool of the word of God doesn't just happen. It's a primary focus of the pulpit and the teaching in Sunday school. Can I tell you, I think there's a whole lot that happens between believers in the church sharing God's word one with another. Using God's word to encourage one another. Something that maybe even we haven't said from the pulpit, just God's word being shared, encouraged, and so forth. A lot of this equipping just doesn't happen through the preaching, though that's the primary focus. Boy, it happens in the pew. It happens during handshake time. It happens before and after services where we're using God's word to minister to one another, equipping one another. But I'll tell you, as we understand this, that sometimes God's word, uh, that truth, is comforting. It's enlightening. At other times, God's word and the preaching of it is the crucible under which we squirm, under which we are disturbed. It gets under our skin. It steps on our toes. Kind of like that perfecting placement of the picture. For the guy, it can be kind of annoying moving back and left, up and down. It can kind of get real old real quick. It can kind of be bothersome. But I'll tell you, when you find that perfect spot, it's worth it. 
And I'll tell you, my friend, though sometimes when you and I are under the preaching of God's word and it steps on our toes and it kind of digs into our heart and conviction comes from it, we are uncomfortable, we are disturbed, but I'll tell you, my friend, if we will allow it to do its work, it will be good. All things will work together for good. So God's going to use his word to challenge us, to perfect us, to accomplish what he needs to do. And so we see that it is the sole means of the instruction, the rebuking, the exhorting, and encouraging that's to take place in God's church as a fulfillment of the ministry of these gifted positions. Praise God for his awesome design of the local church. So let's go back to our definition of arsenal. We said this, it's an array of resources available for a certain purpose. So we indeed see that the church is a place that God is designed to offer resources to which we as believers are to be furnished and, uh, and equipped, perfected. But what's the certain purpose? W- what is it? Okay, so pastor, I get it. That makes sense, you know. God has blessed the church with apostles and prophets and, and evangelists and pastor teachers. It, the, the goal is to equip us as believers, to furnish us, to, to perfect us. But you said that an arsenal has resources for a certain purpose. What is that? Now look back with me at verse 12. And let's kind of ignore the English punctuation because we know that in the Greek New Testament, the the punctuation really wasn't there. So let's look back at Ephesians chapter 4 where we've read verse 11, the beginning of verse 12, so let's finish the verse. For the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now this is interesting. So if we think about those couple statements right there at the beginning, you probably have already, with the help of the Holy Spirit, connected the dots and realizing that the perfecting is what? The perfecting is done so that the work of the ministry can be done. The perfecting, the equipping, the furnishing is done here in the setting of the church, the context of the body of believers, through the means and the instrument of the Word of God. The equipping is accomplished, why? So that the work of the ministry can be accomplished. Now get this, don't miss it, because it is often a misunderstood teaching in scriptures. Paul's making a point uh, to, to stress it to us. He is not saying that the gifted positions have the responsibility to do the work of the ministry, but rather they are the hand holding the tool of God's word that perfects every believer and saint to do the work of the ministry. Now listen, if Pastor Henry is expecting himself, Pastor Aaron, eventually a youth pastor, to do all of the work of the ministry, then I am gravely mistaken concerning God's plan. That is not the responsibility of the gifted position, nor can he do it. In fact, we can't teach every Sunday school class. As pastors, we can't counsel every person about things in their life. As pastors, we can't always be there to be a shoulder to cry on. We can't always be there to confront sin in someone's life. We can't even begin to do it all. The work far outweighs our time limits and our ability limits. I don't care how talented, how gifted, how dedicated a pastor may be, he just can't do it. And my friend, biblically, it isn't God's design. And it isn't his plan. It's why many a pastor has burned out. Because there has been this understanding or he has taken it upon himself to do all the work of the ministry. 
It's not what God's plan. Where we as pastors are to turn our attention and our energies is, is to equip the believers, to feed the flock, to furnish and equip, to, to perfect each believer through the teaching and preaching of the Word of God to do the service of the ministry of God. Look in the book of Acts. It's one of the reasons deacons were introduced to the, uh, the idea of church is so the pastor preacher can give his time to preaching and prayer to doing the things of ministry and feeding the flock. Now listen to me. Listen to me carefully. Somebody say, oh, that's, a, that's just Pastor Henry. He's going on a tangent. He doesn't want to do any more work around here. That's not what Pastor Henry's saying. Now listen to me. You should know this by now if you've been around Fostori Baptist Church for any length of time. My dad taught me a long time ago. Now listen to me. As a pastor, this is what he taught me. He said, if you're too good, if you are too good to clean the toilets of the church, you're not good enough to be the pastor. I cleaned a lot of toilets at New Life Baptist Church. It wasn't about the toilet. It was about understanding that a leader is a servant. I trust you'll see that I'll join anybody in putting away chairs and tables. I'll clean up anything. In fact, friends, you don't even know it, but a week or two ago, we had a septic back up. Woo-hoo! So we're out there. We're cleaning up with mops, stuff you don't want to ever see. Amen. Digging out, deacons came, helped out, finished up the job, fantastic. Hey, my friend, listen, I am not saying we do not serve. Listen, we serve. In fact, the idea is this. We are equipped together so that we can serve together. So why do we make, why, why is, Pastor, why do we preach for 30 minutes, 40? Why, why is we, everything focused around the preaching of the word of God? Because God designed you to be equipped that way. Me to be equipped that way, to be furnished so that what? We can do the work of the ministry. And some messages coming up, we'll, we'll talk about what is the work of the ministry, as even Paul points out here in other passages. But my friend, we have to come to terms with this. Is my attitude that I came to church to be equipped, will I listen to the Word of God so that it can equip me, so that it can furnish me? Will I allow the Holy Spirit to use it in a mighty way? And will I understand that then I'm not just to sit on a pew, I'm not just to take in God's Word, I'm not to be just a sponge, I'm to be equipped so that what? I can do the work of the ministry. That's got to be our attitude and the understanding of what the church is. So we serve just like every other believer, and yet we are also tasked as a pastor teacher to equip. I want you to also note this. We share in serving just as many of the church family share in the perfecting and equipping. What do you mean that? Well, just like this. Just, I'm a pastor teacher. I have the position and the responsibility of feeding the flock. But I'll tell you this, equipping you. We have a whole lot of people in this church who are with me in equipping the flock. Right now, down the hallway to your right, we have some teachers who are equipping our young people in junior church. They're teaching. They're, they're doing that. We have some people who are going to be riding buses home. Uh, they're the bus workers, and on the way home, they're equipping. They're, they're perfecting even those young ones. We have Sunday school teachers that for the last hour, they perfected and equipped. Don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that we are the only ones tasked. No, there's, the church is tasked with that. Through God's Word, using it to do that. Why? Again, God's basic design for the church, a place where the pastor, teachers, and others are tasked with perfecting and furnishing every believer so that every saint can do the work of the ministry. And why? Because the body is that much better off because of it. What happens in a church where two or three or four people do all the work? 
doesn't go very well. It's not to the best of what it could be. And so let's sum it up this way, shall we? Let's say, okay, let's take away something for today. Here it is. The whole of the local body, the church, is to be aggressively, personally involved in the work of the ministry. Using the gifts that God has given you, equipped by the very church that you're a member of, and then going out and doing the work of the ministry here, but also outside these doors, as we'll see in the days to come. Paul really emphasizes this truth over and over and over again in his, in his writings, his letters. But let's just look in the same chapter. Look ahead to verse 16, and we'll be done. Notice that verse 16, chapter 4, he, he says the same thing. From whom the whole body, that's the church, the family of God, fitly joined together. Now notice this compacted by that which every joint supplieth. What's he saying? That way, we've got to do the work of the ministry. I, as a joint, as a part of the body, have to supply something. Notice this. According to the effectual working in the measure of every part. So he's saying every part's important. We started our, our, our church discussion, our, our church sermon series, focusing on we are our body. The thumb's important. The toes are important. Every part of the body's important. It works together. But notice what he's saying here. They all do the work of the ministry. They're all serving. They're equipped to do their job. And my friend, notice the outcome of it in the very same verse. What happens? Well, it maketh increase of the body unto the building up of itself, the edifying of itself in love. And what a great truth. Do you want to see Fostoria Baptist Church build up? I do. But it's going to take more than one person or two or five or ten people to say, okay, I want to be equipped so that I can build the church up. I can be used as part of the body to build the body up. How do we make sure that it happens? Listen quickly and I'm done. Number one. First thing we do, we take the truth that we have seen this morning to heart. In other words, that we need to make it our attitude. Every time that we come into this church, how we view our church in a biblical right mindset is this. It is an arsenal where I regularly assemble to be equipped. So why are you going to church? I'm going to church to be equipped. (laughs) I'm going to church to be furnished. I'm going to church to be perfected. I want to get some tools that I can use in my life to do the work of the ministry. Where he has me, in my job, in my home, in my church, I'm going to serve, and so I need to be equipped. That's why you need to be in the preaching and teaching services of Fostoria Baptist Church, to be equipped. That's why you need to be in Sunday school, to be equipped by those who are tasked and gifted with teaching. Be there. Number two, don't miss this. Number two, we must realize, listen to me, young people, old people, all people alike, we must realize that the greatest thing that my church can give me is not more activities, not entertainment, not even things I want or like, but rather the greatest thing the church can give me is the Word of God. Feed me. Give me God's Word. It is how I am equipped and furnished and made, mending the nets, shaped up into what I need to be for Christ. So let's view, what do I want to get out of my church? God's Word. I want to listen. I want to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to me, work in my heart through the preaching of the Word of God. Then finally, we must acknowledge that we are perfected and equipped for a specific purpose, which is the work of the ministry. May I ask you this? Where does your hand touch the plow at Fostoria Baptist Church? Where do you do the work of the ministry? 
We'll see in weeks to come that the work of the ministry not only refers to in this body, but it refers outside these doors. But let me ask you, where does your hand touch the plow at Fostory Baptist Church? Where are you serving the body of Christ? Where do you minister? Where is it? So number one, is my attitude right that I come to church to be equipped? Number two, do I delight in the fact that the greatest thing that my church can give me is the Word of God? And then number three, after being equipped, am I using it to serve God? How is it for you, Christian? As we go to a time of reflection and prayer, can I ask you to do this? Would you seek out the honest answers to those questions? When you allow the Lord to work in your heart and mind, that we would make sure we are following God's design for the church and its role in our lives. Father, thank you so very much for this word and your truth that you have expounded upon. Your Holy Spirit has explained to us. And Father, we're grateful for the teaching of it. Lord, we want Faustoria Baptist Church to be a biblical church. We want it rooted and founded and grounded upon your word. We want to be everything you would have us to be. And so, Father, help us to embrace the truth of your word when it comes to your design for the church. Help each one of us to fulfill our roles. Father, I pray that you would help me, empower me to continue to preach your word, to teach it, to explain it, to expound upon it, to interpret it as as is needed through the guidance of your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray every one of us as we come to church, as we have this morning, as we come back tonight, Wednesday night, and the services to come, I, I pray that you would impress upon our hearts to come yearning, desiring to be equipped, to be furnished, to be perfected. And then, Father, I pray that we would not see your word in the preaching of it as boring, as, as uh, not getting something out of it. But, Father, we would have such a heart to see that it is the greatest thing that we can gain from our church. And then, Lord, I pray we'd look for places to then being equipped to serve you. Father, I pray that you do only what you can in our lives. Make your church a church full of mature, serving believers that bring you glory in all things. Unify us in our arsenal. Help us to be unified in our one mindset of what church is. Bless, Father, and Lord, I pray if there be one here this morning that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, Lord, I I pray that they would understand that to be a part of the church, they need to put their faith and trust in Christ. May they do it even today in this invitation, Lord. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I ask you to join me in standing all across the